Everybody to another episode of Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible. I have two very special guests with me today uh, here to discuss the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2 is Joe and William. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. In the immortal words of the Canadian Minister of Movies in South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs> I rehearsed that all day. <laughs> of course you did. We've had we've had a lively conversation for a few minutes here so, uh, before we even started recording. So I, I, for one, am really looking forward to talking about this um, pretty uh, unusual, <laughs> uh, unique part of Scripture and um, some some really odd bits of Paul here. But before we do that, um, why don't you both tell folks a little bit about yourselves and how faith plays a part in your life? So. Faith-based, I've always been a believer, um, you know, since a child. And well, I mean, you're Episcopalian. I mean, let's call that. Uh, okay, let's see, ahead. here you go again. So <laughs> I go to an Episcopalian church, but I'm not a member. I'm actually a member of a, um, oh, I can't, what's, it's atheist, not atheist. Oh, God, what is it? Um, it begins with an A. It's, it's right, what's the other one? Anglican, thank you. Anglican, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. But like, like the king of England. Exactly. No, I was born and raised Southern Baptist. Parents got a divorce. Father married a woman, and um, they went to a Pentecostal, non-denominational, charismatic, Bible-thumping, fire and brimstone church. You know, my dad became a born-again Christian, and I got to experience a little bit of that. And then um, that was every other weekend, so I'd come home. This is me at age, like 10, 10 years age. And mom, when she would, uh, she heard this, like, oh, that's interesting. Let me take you to the Unitarian Church down the street. So this was a lot of fun, you know. Unitarian? We've you not talked about this. Secret? No, you can't. You can't be having secrets like this. You went to a uh, Unitarian Church? Well, yeah. That. How do you think I went to summer camp? Like I went to Unitarian summer <laughs> camp, Baptist summer camp. Oh, I had it all. So, um, and I haven't even gotten to the Mormons yet, right? So the. Um, we just get them. When was the last time you were at church? When was the last time you were at church? Okay. Um, just, yeah, it's a good question to ask. Right? No, I'm a lazy Christian. That's fair. No, I've gone through the gamut. And um, so, but at the end of the day, right, it's, my faith has always been in the Bible, right? You know, Jesus, Son of God, He came, died for our sins, etc. And uh, He's got a plan, always has had a plan. Solo Scriptura is a heresy. There you go. Okay, that's fine, but it's, it's fine. But yeah, not, so that's, not, that's my story in a, in a nutshell. Aliens, you know how they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just believe it's very important to have a you know relationship with uh, your faith, and Jesus is my faith, God, etc. Then, so then there you can't solo scriptura. Okay, because that, that's... See, see he's one, a linguist. He's like a trained <laughs> linguist, you know, like... Like I hate to say this, but like a trained monkey, like he's a trained linguist. So he he'll throw words at me, and I have to like I know the word, but anyway, I respect him very much. So I say that with a lot of love and appreciation. Oh, but um, <laughs> would, would anyone like to learn about my history? Yes, your turn. <laughs> your turn, Joe. Go ahead. No, I, I can't. In all seriousness, because I actually do take this seriously. I, I'm I'm quite impish, but I'm never impious. I make fun of 
everything, but you know, not not God, that kind of thing. Well, I was uh, a cradle Catholic, as they say. Grew up in the Maritimes, that's the eastern provinces of Canada, in the 60s and 70s. I, I don't remember uh, my baptism, of course. I don't remember my first communion, but I do remember my confirmation at age 13. But I was away from the church for a breezy 44 years, for which I have no explanation whatsoever. Not even, um, I know what the reason is, but it's embarrassing, so I don't talk about it. No, I, I, open, that, I open that vessel and it is a void. Right? I have no explanation for why I was away from the church for 44 years, even though at no time ever did I not believe in God. Literally none. But during the COVID AIDS, I would uh, go for walks and listen to interesting uh, religious podcasts, including, wait for it, Trans Regrets Snoopy Presents the Bible, and would walk past a particular church in the neighborhood. Um, there are four Catholic churches on this strip. And I would just have, I would keep asking myself if I had a reason not to go back to church, right? And again, I looked in that vessel and it was void. Right? I had no reason not to go back to church. So I waited the bullshit mask mandates were over so that I wouldn't have my first conversation in church be about masks. Um, literally, the Saturday after the mask requirements were lifted, because William, my uh, Miata piloting ginger Christianity sponsor, sent me a schedule for the big cathedral downtown, went to the rosary on the Saturday, and I went to church on the Sunday. And that was March 26, 2022. I've been back ever since. Um, I go to the rosary six days a week, do the rosary every single day. One way or another, I go to church basically every day. I go to Latin Mass. When did I last go to church? Thanks for asking, William. Why, well, yes, that was today at 1230. went to the Ordinaria. I was going to go three times. As you know, we talked about this. No, but I decided only to go to the Ordinaria, which is the very oddball Anglican use of the Latin rite inside the Catholic Church, right? It's very flowery and beautiful, and I, I just love it. It's great. But I also do go to Latin Mass. So I consider myself a, a devout Catholic. I have questions about any number of things, as one does. But that is my uh, my faith history. You know, born into the faith, was away for decades, and I'm now back. But during that time, during that absence, I was listening to you, Transgrad Snoopy, among <laughs> other sources. So God works in mysterious ways, does he not? Uh, certainly. Certainly. And I'm so glad to have you both on uh, because you, I think you're both going to bring some very different, I think, perspectives uh, to this passage and to faith in general. I found that as somebody who was away from from church for a long time and, and really away from God for a long time, um, I don't know that being away really takes away from the connection that you have with the Creator once you get back. Um, it doesn't matter how long you're gone, that God welcomes you back with open arms. So certainly uh, He rejoices in people returning, um, not just to practicing and going to church, but to prayer and to observing and to um, and to worship. So well, yeah, thank you I, both for sharing. The, the, with the, some of the people online I, re, I watch are the Franciscan Friars of Renewal down in New York City. And there's, they have a very strange... Um, a monk who became a, uh, an, ordained, an ordained priest had an entire video. This is Father Mark Maria, the Franciscan Friars of Renewal. He had an entire video about not feeling uh, shy about how long it's been since you have gone to confession, right? And he had this had this line, which is really uh, stuck with me: "Shouldn't be shy about that. I waited all my life to hear your confession," right? Which is, which is <laughs> beyond which is beyond epic. 
I, oh, please don't chuckle. That's this is one of the rare cases when I'm actually sincere. Yeah, you've got a frog in my throat there, okay? Yes, God waits all, God has waited all this time, right? God has been with us this whole time. God has been with every single one of us through our travails, right? All this time, he waits and waits and waits. And waits. He'll wait until, until our dying breath if necessary, right? Yes, you're correct. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, the wording of that was all that made me chuckle. Um, but I think it's, it's uh, yeah. Who will have it, the last laugh, Snoopy? Who will have the last <laughs> laugh? Will it be you? It will won't be, be me, certainly. <laughs> it certainly won't be me. <laughs> it could be the man of law- lawlessness who will have the last laugh. It could laugh. be. It could well, there's a good while there to go. Okay. He'll have one of the last laughs. He won't have Speaking either. of which, yes. <laughs> see, how, see, what I, see what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so let's let's go into this passage because uh, there's certainly a lot to talk about here. But um, what what is our preferred uh, for both of you? What are, what are your preferred uh, translations? What do you what's your daily reader for, for scripture? You know what you know what is the thing I got from you, Snippy, and I'm going to get up. See, I'm wearing my good glasses. Watch across the room. Meanwhile, while he does that, or wait, what? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go, go, go ahead. I have, I have the Jive Talk Bible, the message, which is the greatest the thing since sliced bread. This is the Jive Talk Bible. It is so good. I love it. William and I love it. Now, yes. I, I'm holding that. I also have the NRSB CE, the New Revised Standard Version Catholic. Um, although it wouldn't, the, the Catholic part wouldn't um, pertain to this because Thessalonians is in uh, all, all the major translations, right? So, mm-hmm. which one are you looking at? Because, of course, I have the Bible app. Well, so, to answer the question, I switch between NIV, King James, the Message, Amplified, and every once in a while, Hawaiian Pigeon. I, I won't go into that. I've seen, that, that, that I've wasn't seen some of that one. It oh, yeah. No, it's, no, no, it's, it's legitimate. It's, it's, it's real. I just 100. saw the, a copy of the First Nations at Barnes & Noble the other day, and I read oh, through yeah. some of it. I thought it was very, very the, cool. The Jesus book, as they call it. Uh, I, yes, but, I, it, but it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a pigeon if, it, if they're writing books in it, but then it's a creole. After the child starts, after the child begins to learn the pigeon, it becomes a creole. Remember when I told you we were talking yeah. to a trained linguist? I'm, I'm literally a sociolinguist. <laughs> yes, I know that. I know. I know. You, your reasons. You, you, you watch the. You read the Hawaiian pigeon with shits and giggles. Like I know, it could be worse. It could be worse. We could. You can have a. a, a it does help you. Who only like, reads the Douay rhymes? Okay, if we had to do the Douay oh, rhymes, like oh. I'd get off this show. Okay, I like I was off this show. No, because that's it's in, it's incomprehensible. Now, which one would you like me to uh, look up on the computer here? Oh, I don't. I don't think that we need to all be looking at the same one necessarily. No. Though I think it would be helpful if we use when we're reading um, bits that we're going to be talking about for us to read the passage in the the translation that we're using right now and how we're interpreting certain parts can can really change based on yes. which one you're reading. I uh, as you you listen to the podcast, so you know I usually read the ESV, uh, but in this. Uh, in in my in my preparation for this episode, I was reading David Bentley Hart's translation and The Voice and the New King James and um, uh, the J.B. Phillips and uh, and so I, I was puzzled by this passage. Really, personally, I, why? Well, any mention of Antichrist is mm-hmm. um, in the modern American church is, I think, deeply misunderstood. Uh, I think that the interpretations that have uh, risen about 
you know, eschatological frameworks and things like that have, uh, have gone kind of bonkers since the 19th century. And so our, our perception of what the man of lawlessness might be and how it became connected to antichrist and to um, any images that we see of satan in other places in the bible are kind of fraught to me because i'm not really sure that's what's being referred to here but we can talk about that in 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 our in our different associations and interpretations with it should we read it first uh, or at least read read a portion you want the esv because i have the hardcover esv here Oh, I have mine open. Unless you'd like to read. Uh, listen, okay. The first church I went back at, they wouldn't let me be a lector. Okay, so this was a problem. And it was the Novus Ordo, so now you have two problems. No, right. I, I, okay, he likes do to you read. want literally uh, two Thessalonians 2 or two, two, two Thessalonians in one? So it's literally uh, chapter 2. Would you like me yes. to read, say, the first paragraph? Would that be all right? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think probably one, uh, two, two, one through twelve. Twelve. Hold on, let me look where it is so I don't blow past it. Oh, okay, good. Okay. The man of lawlessness. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all the power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So first things first, uh, the the broad uh, understanding among biblical scholars is that this is an authentically Pauline uh, letter in a Pauline construction. Um, do you, either of you have any doubts about whether or not Paul actually wrote this? No, I don't have any doubts. No, and that that wouldn't have occurred to me. I <clears throat> don't believe in biblical inerrancy because of the problem of um, translations, but no, I, don't. I don't believe that there are false books in the Bible, right? So. Right. And my issue is that I just don't, I'm like, I don't have time really in my life to think about wait, who is a real author. You know, this has been canonical for ever, as long as I can remember. So, you know, to me, whether or not who's the original author, eh, to me, the, the, the thing that's crazy here about it is it's like, what's Paul doing here? Like every other letter, he's all his other epistles. He's like giving people essentially the blueprint of how to be a good church, how to be, a, you know, how to get up from your struggles and get on with your daily, daily life. Now, all of a sudden, he's, you know, 
getting a little bit of foreshadowing, you know, like a preview of the revelation. So it, it is a little different than the rest. I will agree with that. But at the end of the day, no, I don't disagree. I have no okay. issues of who the author is. Excellent. Okay. So I, I agree there too. Um, I think that uh, there are places where I, I wonder in the New Testament and the Old Testament for that matter, uh, who, who wrote these and um, when they might have actually been written as opposed to what our understanding of them uh, in you well, know, the Orthodox. In just, in one, just in one sentence, what's an example of that? Just off, off the top of your head. Well, I mean, Revelation is one that, um, um, that yes, has a, yes. a lot of different questions. Uh, Timothy, later, Second uh, Timothy, uh, Titus, certain letters um, could have been constructed later or, or interpreted and then reconstructed later by other people other than the people that they're credited to. But, right. um, but overall, I, you know, I think that our understanding of who wrote these books is, is right. Um, and William, I think you're right in that maybe that's a distraction from focusing on the message that's, oh, yeah. that's being relayed to us. No, because, I mean, you got, you know, we got our own lives to deal with. I mean, if this is my life, sure, I will write a paper about it, and then some pastor at church will read it and then start talking about it. But that, to me, yeah, it's a distraction. I like, mm. you know, the fundamental message, which, you know, love God with all your heart. And um, that's the first rule. Second rule is love your neighbor as you love God and me, you know, and yourself. So you make it sound so simple. <laughs> that was, that's what Jesus did. <laughs> you know, he didn't come here to, you know, change the law. He came here to uh, fulfill the law, as he likes to say, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's, no, it, at the end of the day, keep it simple. And the Bible can really get, in Revelations, oh, it's a beautiful book, right? It's each time you read it, depending on where you are in your life, you're going to have like a different interpretation of it. I remember the first time I read it, I was. I was aghast. Like, I just don't get it. I was used to reading Psalms and Proverbs as a kid. Like, that made yeah. sense to me. Revelation's like, oh, no, this is. And then I got into comic books and then I read it again. Like, ooh, this is almost like a comic book, like science fiction. You know, yeah. read Revelations <laughs> with just the horses coming out of the sky and the heads and the lambs. And like, yeah, you could compare it to a couple of movies, popular movies out there. The only thing I would add here is this one of the reasons why I listen to Transgress Theory Presents the Bible, which is straplined as a Bible study podcast, is that I'm quite unschooled in the Bible. I do read it. I have a number of versions right here. Um, I can quote certain uh, certain things, many of which I was uh, alerted to by your podcast, uh, Matthew 19, and Unix, for example. Are, are we Unix for the kingdom? Well, let's find out. We certainly haven't had a tragic industrial accident. In any event, um, so the... the Another reason for me to go on this episode is because I'm quite unschooled in the Bible, so this really made me look things up. Uh, you know, it's only a lifetime of the Bible. I might as well start now. And and there's yeah, the 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 rereadability of it is is really um, <laughs> is remarkable, especially with all the translations we have, because we can bounce from translation to translation and pull something different. Well, you can read the, you can read the message all day with a, with, a, with a smile on your face, right? But then and you feel like you're cheating, right? Because it isn't two-way rhymes and it's not incomprehensible. But yeah, you can't. No, I agree. I agree. I was going to say when it comes to authors, one of my really the only time I care about the authors is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, right? I and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark. Mark, Markian, 
uh, writing, <laughs> as the kids call it. I think, from what I understood, if I remember, he was a journalist or, or really close. To whoever Mark was, he was what was akin at the time to a journalist. So his interpretation of the Bible, and I could be confused with Luke, but I think it was Mark. It was about four years I started this, and I read more about it. And that's a really cool perspective. Like, here you have four Gospels. They're all telling you the same story, kind of. And, you know, why, you know, the different Gospels. And when you learn about the authors and how they wrote it and why they wrote it, that's when it comes pretty cool to really question who the author was and what they were going through at the time. But anyway, I digress. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, like, where they're telling the same story, kind of. Because this is a place where there are a lot of places where it feels like, uh, and and this is this is a little bit of a hyperbole, but uh, it sounds at times like sometimes Paul is speaking a different gospel than John or Peter, and um, oh, yeah. n- not drastically different, but there are points at which they seem to kind of differ in their um, in their interpretations of Jesus' teachings and what's going to happen and what's happening right now. And uh, this is one place, actually, where Paul is pretty much flatly agreeing, I think, with um, the interpretation of what is to be, what is going to happen with John. And John yes. doesn't agree with a lot of people. So, uh, <laughs> so who, who do we think, who do we think, either one of you, uh, and Joe, I know you did quite a bit of research on this in, in advance, but who do you think the man of lawlessness is? Is this one person? Is this uh, in the way that the Bible often refers to a race of people or a group of people or a, a school of people as, uh, as uh, one, you know, as, you know, Israel, the tribe of Israel referred to as Israel or as Jeshurun or whatever, is the man of lawlessness one person or are we talking about a whole bunch of people that are going to be raised up in this way? I don't think it can be one person. I also don't think it's it's a race or an identifiable ethnic. It's um, okay. Wait, a minute. we'll start. Let's start there. William, do you agree with me on that? By the way, we we did not pre-coordinate on this. Yeah. I have no idea what William's going to say, and vice versa. Okay, so do you That's agree good. more than one person? Um, I don't care. Just let me talk for the rest of the show. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, I, sure. It, no, I do like the idea that okay, it is sort of a system, right? The Antichrist or Man of Lawlessness is as a system, right? Anarchy, right? The the anarchists, you know, some in what the message they call them, the anarchists, which great, you know, is that's a different interpretation of what the Man of Lawlessness is. Sure. So the anarchist is you know somebody or something. Okay. I do believe that, you know, they're referring to a system and it could be a person. And Okay, but it's a, it specifically says it's I, I it's I view it as it's it's a it's a distributed phenomenon, like evil in some ways. Because it specifically says ten claimants to the empire will arise simultaneously, I suppose in different parts, but all wearing the purple, which probably means blackish red, at the same time. <clears throat> Antichrist will form an eleventh after them having seized the imperial power by use of the magic arts, right? He will humble three of those who came to power before him and cause the remaining seven to be Caesars under him. So there were 12 apostles, but they're under, in this schema. There are uh, 11 men of lawlessness, but they're all one man of lawlessness because it's, it's a distributed system that, um, that um, turns its back on knowledge of God, which they absolutely have, right? These are not... Ignoramuses. These are not um, 
evil humans uh, working in ignorance of God. No, 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 no. They're knowingly turning their backs on God, right? Um, much worse than a teenage girl going through a golf phase. Like, this is considerably worse than that. Right? But it's, it is a distributed phenomenon, and it even says so there. Okay, so if you, if you want to think about it, it's almost kind of like this is probably the most political we see Paul get, right? Because here we're talking about the Antichrist, and in the next one, chapter 3, a little, you know, spoiler alert here, and I know I'm a little copy here, but he talks about those who are lazy, right? And, uh, you know, don't you, whereas what, in verses 10 through 13, chapter 13, uh, chapter 3, second Thessalonians, he says, don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you work, if you don't work, you don't eat. Hmm. That sounds a little bit like anyone, anyone, <laughs> communism, <laughs> I'm just, or socialism. <laughs> That's a very ignorant approach to, you know, one phrase, but at the end of the day, I mean, <clears throat> is it one person or is it a group or a system? I think, you know, the, the point is we have to be careful. That's what he's asking. He's telling us, right? That's what's being prophesied here. We don't know the, the hour in which, you know, this is going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. But it's going to happen, and it's going to be pretty awesome to use that. Okay, but the, hold on. But this, but the okay, the um, victory by the man of lawlessness, a distributed phenomenon, is held back by uh, the catacon, the capital K A T E C H O, catacon. That's held back, right? <clears throat> and will ultimately be vanquished by the breath of Jesus, because of course we breathe on things. We breathe, we, I mean, God and uh, God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit breathe life into things. You know, the priest in the, in the Catholic rite uh, must have the ciborium and the chalice open when he does the consecration because we breathe life into it, this sort of thing. So in the same way, the breath, you know, the breath of life will um, bring an end to this distributed man of lawlessness, right? And it is, and I think, you can hear me rustling my 15 pages of typeset notes here, that the lawless one is here described as, quote, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. That's from the, this amazing analysis by Martin Menken, a late Dutch theologian. So the whole point is you're, you're acting in knowing opposition to God, right? This is this is my complaint with LGBT plus, right? There, there, there are those of us who are gay who are uh, Christian. Those are those of us who are gay or Catholic or Orthodox. But LGBT plus wants to, wants to profane us, right? And they know what they're doing. They're working in active opposition, right? Mm. So. They, I, I find that the man of lawlessness is the norm in culture these days, right? This is, it's everywhere, it's everywhere you look, right? Except, I guess, for, you know, alternative, alternative Christian podcasts, like Trans or Snippy, right? But it, it seems to be everywhere. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think that, like, that this is a risk, mm -hmm. right? And it has been this way in, interpret in interpreting this passage and other passages like um, in First and Second John where he talks about the Antichrist, that people go, this is a thing that I'm, I don't like that's happening right now. And as such, this is an example of the Antichrist. This is an example of the man of lawlessness. And it's not necessarily wrong, but it does become kind of like a, a, a bulletin board onto which you can um, thumbtack the, the causes that you, you don't agree with. There is a real risk here that we, um, we let this become a, a political – I don't interpret this in less necessarily in a political way. There is the, – at the heart of this, it is iniquity and wickedness 
and mm-hmm. and essentially at the heart of like stealing worship away from God, stealing uh, glory away from God, and that's what the man of lawlessness is, is trying to do here. Not okay, got, not necessarily. You got two things in there. If you forgive me for interrupting, at the outset you said you, that uh, popularly the the concept of the Antichrist is um, misunderstood, right? It's misunderestimated. Use that previous knowledge, right? Of course, but that that comes from. I don't. I don't think it even comes from. Um, Hollywood cinema in the 70s. I think it comes from uh, trailers and TV commercials of Hollywood cinema. You know, Damien, Omen 2. I remember seeing the commercials <laughs> for that when I was growing up. So people think the Antichrist is equivalent to Satan, which is a supportable interpretation in Second Thessalonians. But it's because there's more than one supportable in- interpretation. So the popular conception of the word Antichrist is synonymous with Satan, right? So uh, that, and that's erroneous, right? It's it is a possible interpretation, Second Thessalonians, but it's not really the the the, the, the thrust, right? No, so I'm not. I, I mentioned LGBT plus as a political movement, but I specifically mean, and I hope I mentioned a moment ago, every one of those people who are pushing these things is knowingly turning his or her uh, back on God, right? So that's where I see it. Also, let's imagine your your. Let's take your criticism uh, fairly. Um, yes, there there might have been a tendency for low these many decades or centuries for millennia to view the man of lawlessness around us as being, you know, the, the, our, our, our wicked enemies and so on. But that would be consistent, certainly typologically, because the, the wickedness of the Old, Old Testament is recapitulated in the New Testament. We have all been fallen uh, since the garden, right? So you, I would expect it. I would expect the man of lawlessness, who is this distributed force, to inhabit different bodies at different times, right? Because we're all mortal, but evil remains until the day of judgment, right? So I would expect that, actually, yes. So, I don't know, speaking of cinema Hollywood, one of my favorite movies to really kind of grasp the whole, you know, lawless, the, the man of lawlessness is, uh, I think it's, it's called Revelation Road, the beginning of the end, uh, 2013. David A.R. White stars in it. It's a, it's a, Christian-based, faith-based movie, and but there's Eric Roberts is in it, and a bunch of uh, somebody, Brian Bosworth is in it. Some some wrestlers are in it, but anyway, it, it's basically what happens when the rapture comes, or some interpretation. And it's the man of lawlessness is represented by the barbarians. This is not a pitch for the movie, by the way, but a bi- motorcycle gang, right, led by. You know, the leader, the hog. And when the rapture comes, you know. What about kind of motorcycle he rides? Uh, I, it's anybody's guess at that point. It seems very on. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it, it's like any other sort of apocalyptic film, right, with action, violence. But there's a strong message of faith in there. And it follows very, you know, closely to the commonly accepted concepts of Armageddon, rapture, and whatnot. But... For what it's worth, the anarchist is represented in this movie and series as a motorcycle gang. I'm just saying. Just thought I'd share that. sounds that. terribly, terribly banal. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> kitsch. If you're going to watch oh. kitsch and be faithfully influenced, by, it's right up there. If I want to watch kitsch, I'll watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay? Which is <laughs> now, actually, uh, on that topic, we will digress just for a moment. Snoopy, have you seen the second most disturbing picture ever made the Rapture, circa 1994, written and directed by Michael Tolkien. Oh, no, well, it's only approximately the second most disturbing 
picture ever made after Seconds with Rock Hudson and just before They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Uh, it stars Mimi Rogers, David Duchovny, a cast of thousands, um, has uh, a... 1991, by the way. 91, sorry. 94, 91, sorry. It's the big time, time doesn't exist. Time doesn't exist, so that's what eternity means. Um, it has a, a, a startlingly memorable and disturbing um, ending relating uh, that uh, depicts the rapture up to and including the four headless horsemen of the apocalypse galloping down the Pacific Coast Highway, which is what would happen, right? So may I recommend to all your listeners that if they want, they want to watch the second most disturbing movie ever, it would be The Rapture. Now, there's some sexuality in it, which you might want to skip past and all that. Moving right along. So the, and there's, but there's no personified antichrist in it. There isn't even a man of lawlessness. There's everyone, everyone's just searching. There's a place in which the lawlessness is referred to as – it's a verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And then the man of lawlessness is some sort of personification of the lawlessness itself, which I think like – implies this sort of like there may be a disembodied force man of lawlessness it may not necessarily be that it is going to be one person uh it could just be i mean the 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 greek there is pretty clear it mm. is man it is a body or a, a a person or a group of people at least in in the greek that that seems to be a pretty clear interpretation of it uh well yes and and the greek and the i look at blue letter bible when i'm trying to find the greek words oh, for it well, so I can... snoopy have you ever heard of a of a late theologian known as father seraphim rose he was orthodox no oh, you, oh this is this is so up your alley father seraphim rose um uh, was gay he was living with his long-term lover um he converted to orthodoxy and he effectively um recapitulated the apocryphal uh, dying words of Oscar Wilde, either this wallpaper goes or I do, um, either you either you go or I do, and he became a an Orthodox monk. He has a beautiful book, The Soul After Death, um, which is even quite well typeset. You can even, you should read that. So Father Seraphim Rose was an Orthodox monk, you know, a, a, a continent, a chaste gay, right? His whole explanation of the mystery, right? This is called a mystery, quote, because a mystery is something that is not fully revealed in this world that comes from another world. The mystery of righteousness is the whole story of how God came from heaven and became incarnate in order to save us. And the mystery of iniquity is the opposite. It's a mystery coming up from hell that breaks into this world and changes it. This, therefore, is the mystery of lawlessness, which is preparing the world for the coming of the man of lawless-ness. So... Yes, uh, of course. Yes, I mean, everything is a mystery, and you know, uh, uh, evangelicals and Protestants love to use the word mystery, like the way Catholics love to use the word intention, right? I mean anything you need it to mean. But I'm agreeing with you. But it's 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 there's this this mystery that bubbles up and uh, uh, overcomes the vulnerable souls, right, who know better but are uh, defying what they what they sh- what they know they should be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, you, you're we're segueing. That was a good segue, I think, into the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. So if you don't mind, I kind of want to pivot. I want <laughs> I wanted to pivot to uh, to the resistance of the, the man of lawlessness and how some uh, are supposedly uh, or if we're to read if we're reading this, at least in the ESV's interpretation, I don't I don't remember what the message says, but that some are predestined, essentially. If I may, I'll read. Um, if I may. Some, yeah, so I, I think I'm talking about 11, 
and uh, let's see, 11 and... 13 to 14. Even six, yeah, all the way to the I end. think so. Eleven through to really to the end, where we're talking about those that are predestined to mm-hmm. uh, fall under a delusion that God has sent upon them, and then those that are predestined to stand firm and resist the man of lawlessness, and uh, what that might mean. All right, I'll start at nine. And this is the message: the anarchist coming is all Satan's work. All his power and signs and miracles are fake, evil sleight of hand that plays to the gallery of those who hate the truth that could save them. And since they're obsessed with evil, God rubs their nose in it, gives them what they want. Since they refuse to trust, they're banished to their chosen world of lies and illusions. Meanwhile, we've got our hands full, continually thanking God for you. Our good friends, so loved by God, God picked you out of, out as his from the very start. Think of it, including God's original plan of salvation by the bond of faith and the living truth. This is the life of the Spirit he invited you to through the message we delivered, in which you get it on the glory of our Master, Jesus Christ. So friends, mm-hmm. take a firm stand. Feet on the ground. God picked you up from the very start. Yes, exactly. So friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground, and head high. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught. Whether in personal conversation or by our letter, may Jesus himself and God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, enliven your speech. And isn't it doesn't it isn't it good when he when he really like over eggs the pudding with the accent there like the, the Southern Baptist really came out there. <laughs> Give me on the NIV and, and we're done. The NIV <laughs> brings out worse. Yeah. So I, I want some. I want a theologian with a high received pronunciation RP accent, like Gavin Ashenden or Bishop Williamson, to read the message. Right? I would like. I would pay good money for that. Here's ten bucks in Patreon just to read the <laughs> message for a full chapter. Right? Like. Uh-huh. And you'd be, you'd be sitting there with your hands together and your, your eyes are gone. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so the, it sounds it sounds good. But yes, oh, yeah. there, there are those of us, do I understand this passage correctly, William? There are those of us who, who are called to fight this. But built in there is um, everyone everyone who's reading the message knows better. Right? Do I have both of those things right? Well, I, you know, they could, be think, they could think they know better, you know. I think I know better every day, but I know every day I get tempted and I fall you know, short of the glory of God. So I don't want to say that I would be the one, but um, it could happen to anyone. But the idea here, Paul, is it, it's a motivational letter. You, I mean, you got to understand that to me, the reason why, you know, Paul's just going off. One of the things I read somewhere a long time ago is that Second Thessalonians is kind of like an edit. Like he to first Thessalonians because he wrote them the first letter and then it's like, Oh wait, I just need to clarify some things because I got, you know, I'm envisioning like he had, a, you know, influenced by God and like, Oh, you know, I need to clarify it a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a motivational letter. He's telling the people of Thessalonia, Thessalonica, Thess- uh, pick your favorite adverb adjective there. Anyway, well, actually, <laughs> which one does David Bentley argues? Does it say Thessaloniki? Right. What is, what is yeah. the name of the place, Snoopy? I don't know, actually. Thessalonica. There Thessalonica. we go. Okay. Yeah. Go but he's, he's basically telling them, you know, stand firm with what you were taught, what you were, you know, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, etc. You know, reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, all for, you know, the eternal reward that you get at the end of the day, right? Don't be passive. 
Stand firm. Stand for what you believe in. Well, stand for what you do. Right. I'm just I'm just looking at First uh, Thessalonians, and yes, it's it's exhortative, right? And of course, the version of the message have an, has an exclamation point after every sentence. And actually, yes, Second Thessalonians does seem like a post facto addendum, right? Um, like that, like uh, the the wonderful uh, article in the Onion after um, 9/11. This is when the Onion was funny. Now only the Babylon Bee is funny, but here we are. Right, um, God angrily clarifies, "Do not kill." Rule, right? So it's 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 it does seem like a, a post facto identity. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a message to us. Stand. I mean, it's very clear. Stand firm. Don't go wishy washy. Don't go reinterpreting. You know everything you've been, you thought you knew. I think. Th- what I struggle with, particularly in 11, and, and this is actually, I, I don't know how much of the uh, Romans 8 series uh, either of you were able to sit through, um, but the, the predestination passages that Paul writes are a really slippery slope. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't know if either of you are. Do either of you <laughs> prescribe to that particular well, school of belief? Uh, every once in no, a while. No, actually, I, uh, what, what? Go ahead. No, every once in a while, yeah. It's like, all right, it's like I'm predestined to just mess things up. <laughs> you know, like, ah, I totally didn't mean to, like, <laughs> like I knew better. <laughs> Why did the, what, God that's knows That's vague, though. I mean, that's a, that's, there's a difference between <laughs> that and being like God is sending a spirit of delusion on you so that every time oh. you fuck up, it's, it's God making you fuck up. I mean, that's like a really... Oh, no. That just reads to me like kind yeah. of a, a weird – and this we see that kind of activity in Moses' interpretation of God's actions in, in the Torah. So it's not like it's unfounded, but it does strike me as, as in some ways contrary to the activity of the loving God that Jesus is and, and um, lives out and embodies on earth. So right. why the hell would God send a spirit of delusion on somebody to make them believe something that isn't true so that they can doom themselves? Well, okay, I, I, I agree that it's um, problematical uh, to use the word that no one uses because it has, that has too many affixes on it. It's problematicalist, highly problematicalist. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not a Calvinist. I used to be a quite strong, a strong believer in compatibilism where there would be periods of free will and periods predestination, but having listened to many hours of your favorite, your favorite Dutch Tommy. name, Tommy. your favorite Dutch name theologian, Snoopy, Mr. Thomas J. Ward, right? <laughs> I, I don't, don't believe that anymore. He has, um, there are, of course, all sorts of little lacunae in open and relational theology, but there are lacunae in Calvin, lacunae in all these things. It seems to me, though, that um, having listened to uh, lots of uh, talks by um, a very interesting Catholic uh, priest and a terrible public speaker, Father Ripperger, the exorcist. Um, the, uh, the answer is God allows all these things to happen. Uh, God allows evil. God allows Satan to do his thing, right, within reason. God allows demons. Right? He allows these things. Now, this comes into conflict with Thomas J. Ward's open relational theology. He could stop this at any time. Well, maybe he couldn't. Maybe this is one of the things that God can't do, right? But if, just to respond to your question, this seems, this seems to be at odds with um, God's nature as loving. Well, he did send the flood, um, right? I mean, it's, God has been known to express wrath. I mean, certainly yeah, that's old, old God, Old Testament. He changed his mind. Yes, version, <laughs> two, version 2.0, like Nouvelle yeah. Formula no, uh, uh deity, right? Exactly. Yeah, you remember the rainbow? I, I think it's at least because he... talked about the rainbow. Uh, Go ahead. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't want to talk about rainbows anymore. <laughs> Bible study Wait. podcast, it says. That's the strap line. Bible study podcast. I see. So, yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. So let's remember God. So devil has dominion here. The devil, Satan, right? Earth. This is devil gets to crawl over the earth and that's not unqualified. That's not unqualified. That's a misinterpretation. It's not unqualified. No, I, God still has his graces. God still does his will, especially through the Holy Spirit. It's not unqualified, but at some level, that's correct. Yes. Where I think it was. But there's a, there's Sorry. a difference between saying that God allows things to happen and that God sends a delusion on them. This is like uh, there, there's other passages where it says God God sent an evil spirit. It was a uh, it was um, having to do with Saul, and and that God put put an evil spirit on him. It's like what what business does God have sending evil spirits to people? That's not that's not the the industry that God's in, right? Correct. I would agree. I would agree with that. What does, Unless we're talking Old Testament, I get a little confused about the whole Old Testament. Like, well, the church has has uh, killed people over this particular heresy, so I'm not sure I'm willing to say. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm willing to say that the God that God is different in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But uh, but I. <laughs> we're going to we're actually going to engage. In I don't have to pay my. I don't have to pay my doorway. ESV, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Okay, the message. And since they're so obsessed with evil, God rubs their noses in it, gives them what they want. But you see, this is, that's the wages of sin. In that translation, in the Jive Talk translation, that's the wages of sin. That's a more meat and potato, meat and potatoes interpretation, I think, of that what that phrase actually means. And I think it's the problem with the language that's used here. And actually, let's pull up, let's pull up old DBH um, well, to see what he, he no, says about this. And hence, God sends them delusions operation so that they believe the lie, so that all who did not have faith in the truth but instead took pleasure in injustice might be judged. Now, that's not Greek. That's, that's DBH's interpretation of the Greek. But um, it still says that, right? It, it's still saying the same thing. And, and it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm not trying to make a particular point here, but it is, it's okay to say this is, this is a real a humdinger. This is, this is a particularly difficult version of God's power in this world. And, um, and it's, it's something certainly to wrestle with. Again, I'm, I don't think this is anything really profound that I'm saying here, but I am, I am interested in, in how you guys interpreted it. Well, the Amplified says, Because of this, God will send upon them a misleading influence, an activity of error and deception. Hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm stymied on this, uh, oh, because, yeah. I, of course, I'm, I'm wedded to my interpretation that these are, uh, humans of uh, of uh, full faculty and uh, knowingly def- knowingly define God's will. Well, maybe they start out that way, but again, according to eleven, uh, even if you take the, uh, the messages version, but yeah, God is uh, God is rubbing their God is rubbing their noses into it. In, in it. But in that, uh, I w- would agree that that seems to be at odds with any number of things. For example, I am the way, the truth, um, and the life. Um, so uh, A plus to Snoopy. I'm stymied on that. That's I, I, I as I'm, 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 I'm 
very keen on my first interpretation, but this seems to knock the legs out from under that. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's, and I don't want us to get into a dead end necessarily, but I... I um, Too late. <laughs> it seems unresolvable. Even it my, does. It does. My, it feels my, that my, way. That, you know, God sent down the flood and so on. That, that seems like a blandishment, really. You know, God has done things and that that are in, that are inconsistent with the overall, um, uh, the overall um, um, imperative of love that our friend Thomas J. Ward has explained thus far. I, I don't know. Uh, perhaps your listeners can send in uh, audio responses and we can have a, a sequel episode. I, I don't know. Mm. Well, I think this this sort of um, hitting a spot like this is why people will kind of just turn and go, okay, well, let's focus on something we can talk about, which is this or this or this, you know, having to do with uh, what what is the man of lawlessness going to look like? What are they going to be preaching and what are they going to be saying and how do we stand firm in it? And I think how do we stand firm in it is an easier question. Um and that would be to put on, on the armor of God, you know, uh, and right. and guard your heart and and gird yourself and uh, and and maintain your faith and maintain your righteousness in whatever way you you are able. Okay, but that doesn't solve the problem. If I go back to my my e day fix here, that these these are uh, um, people who should be of goodwill, but are been led astray, and they they know what they're doing. Right? They are, again, not teenage girls going through a goth phase. They know what they're doing. So what? how do we deal with them? I mean, we've uh, those of us of a certain age have dealt with people who are legitimately evil in our, in our lives. Are they the man of lawlessness? Um, of course, we have to sit there and, and uh, pray for them. Or, again, to use the term I mentioned a minute ago, in, in the Catholic tradition, you put them in, our, in your intentions. But what do we, 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 what do, we do? Like, I don't get it. To that point, Joe, no. There was it uh, in John, was it First John chapter five? I can't remember, but somewhere in the yeah, Bible, the Antichrist. No, no, no. John says to it, pray for your brothers and sisters. You know, when they're in sin, just go ahead and pray for them. Oh, except for that guy. Don't pray for that guy. Right? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a horrible misinterpretation of the verse, but. That's where he talks about there is a sin such as sin unto death. And when you find your brother who has done that mortal sin, no, you don't have to pray for that guy. There is a verse in the Bible. It's one of my favorite verses. Literally have John open. Okay, why don't you look that up while Snoopy asks the the next next question. Well, Paul Paul says something like that, too, about how, you know, there are people that will be lost from from you and you can you can separate yourself from them. Like, again, I can't remember exactly where that is, but that seems to be a different sense from what William was just saying. Does it? I I, I think so. Maybe William can find this this passage. The distinction between not praying for somebody and not being party to someone. Essentially, essentially. I think think that's kind of a big deal. Okay, we'll do it. There's a rabbit hole. Shall, shall, we, shall, we, shall we continue? Yes. <laughs> We're down the rabbit hole already. I'm not sure that there's a way to get out. Um, yeah, I think that, um, okay, so, Joe, what, what you're saying is that the people that are behaving in, in, the, in the lawless way, in the way of iniquity, are doing so consciously that they know what they're doing. That's what you said. At least um, in the back of their minds. Right? They, in the they back of their minds. They're not Uncle Chad. They didn't write a manifesto. But in the back of their minds, be, they know better. Go ahead. <laughs> 
would it be a more charitable and, and, and an interpretation truer to the, knowing the, the weakness of humanity to say that these are the people that are in fact under the, de, the, the delusion that they don't actually know what they're doing because they are essentially, they're under a spell. Under a spell, uh, or, yes. Hmm, well, yes. Uh, uh, we, we return to, I like my idea, but I don't have an, an answer to that. Um, I'm, I'm, willing to gi- I'm willing to give people much more, uh, what is the term used in psychiatry, uh, agency than uh, many people are. Um, although we're okay, the the uh, I'll give you a slightly different gloss and tell me whether you agree with this or not. Uh, it takes it's, it takes um, a lot of internal strength, right? A lot of uh, internal struggling, mind Kampf, you might say, um, to really go all the way. To really Jesus. Go, 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 go all the way. What are talking about? What's great is supposed to go. My, my, my greatest struggle, mein Kampf, one might say, is to, oh, go, is to go all in on God. Now, um, it's sort of like the, 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 the meme on the internet of um, uh, low IQ people on the left end of the scale will see things clearly, extremely high IQ people on the right end of the scale will see things clearly, and um, Karen's in the middle, essentially, who tell you that up is down and this sort of thing. But not quite. Um, I, I found a lot of highly intelligent people are the ones who are most disputatious, and instead of being a disputatious Jew or a disputatious Catholic, like all the members of the U.S. Supreme Court, right? They they argue against God all day. They spend all day feeling smart arguing against God all day, right? But if we're just talking about um, let's use the word courage. It, it takes a lot of courage to go all the way, go all in on God, right? It should be the easiest thing on earth, shouldn't it? it should be easiest pie. God made us. It should be easiest pie, but it isn't. It takes courage, right? So I think these um, these wayward souls, even if they're under this uh, spell, as you, I think, fairly categorize it, right? this delusion, this spell, I don't see how that's really different, right? They're just, <clears throat> they, they lack the will, and that could just be a matter of personality and stubbornness, like, I, I don't know. Um, but this, that is another of the, of the human weaknesses, which we, all, all of us as a species, all pray. And which um, the evil one, or Satan, or the you know uh, the 1970s uh, uh, TV commercial version of the Antichrist would prey on. They would prey on that. Right? But I, I, the, the the gloss I'm suggesting here, and please tell me what you think, is it becomes a question of guts. You have the guts to go all in on God, um, or is it just easier to behave in an evil fashion in the 21st century? So tell me what you think of that, Stephen. Mm-hmm. how the tables if it's yeah no hey look you've listened to enough of the podcast to know that i ask a lot of unanswerable questions so thank you for asking yeah. me uh one but well, i think that that, me. At least I'm that the first, least, yeah. the first appearance on your show and i'm stuck all right go ahead that leaves a lot of gray area and i think that's that's the right way to do it i think that um god operates in grays uh, as much as people like to read scripture and interpret it in in um, matters of black and white, um, that often there is middle ground. There is uh, intellectual, spiritual purgatory. Um, that's the wrong use of that word. But this sort of this sort of area between um, where uh, there there are people who fall into sinfulness. There are people who fall into iniquity and fall into evil, and there are people who strive for it. 
uh, what's that Shakespeare quote? Uh, they have it thrust upon them. Yes. Um, there, there are people who, um, who seek out the lawlessness, who, um, who will go for any opportunity to, in an effort to empower themselves, in an effort to, uh, to make themselves more important, and to gain the worship that people give to God, they will, um, they will put that out into the world intentionally. But I think there are a good number of people who, who are not doing right by themselves and by God because it is what has become of their lives, not necessarily what they want out of their lives. And has it been your experience that those people um, are in a shame spiral? Uh, even if they wanted to be, live a more godly existence, even you know, under battle conditions becoming Episcopalian, that they go into such such a shame spiral that they look back. They look back on their dissolute previous lives, and how am I going to get out of this? Well, of course, God will bring you out of this. This sounds personal. You're still, you're still, um, you're still, you're still here, William. I thought you were r- rifling through the pages of the the message to find this passage in John. Yes, I did. So, which reminds me, you you referenced to Shakespeare, which I'll, um, one of my favorite Sunday school games is: is it Shakespeare or the Bible? <laughs> it's always a fun game to share with friends. And it doesn't sound fun at all. Oh yes, it is. Especially if you think well, you no. Go ahead. The the number of idioms that that come out like in in the English language, the number of idi- idioms that are out there in the world, like if you if you cut them in half, uh, some half of them are essentially are Shakespeare, half of them are from the Bible, and almost exactly. none of them are from anywhere else well, yes. in the history but of actually, language. Actually, the, the ordinariate uses uh, a, uh, a a phrase familiar from a certain movie, Gene Hackman, "The Quick and the Dead." No, that comes that's biblical or at least liturgical, right? So yes. So the but getting back to the shame spiral, the trick is to understand that God forgives all, even yes. forgives mass murderers and so on, right? God forgives all, but getting yourself to that because you're you're so ashamed of your past, right? And you find this a lot with the the so-called traditional Catholic ladies, right? They might have had just normal upbringings with multiple boyfriends and a, a certain sexual history and so on, and then they decide to you know start going to Latin mass or this sort of thing. They wear they. Uh, cover their heads in church as is required by first Corinthians right and but and for them they can just uh, completely forget about the past because we have um, absolution in persona Christi in the Catholic Church and all our our sins are absolved right um but I'm not and the same is true in in the Orthodox and most other but, Christian religions, by the way, just continue. No, not really. No, yes, yeah, no. Orthodox. No, you, no, you don't have. No, you don't have real absolution yeah. because you don't have apostolic succession. You don't. Well, that's correct. We don't. We don't have that papal nonsense. You don't have apostolic succession. <laughs> or your presbyters and your presbyters cannot work in persona Christi. Okay? Cannot no, operate. but because we believe in Jesus oh, Christ with all our heart. This, where I was going he's the son of God. Where Sorry, I was rudely interrupted was... <laughs> I don't think it was rudely, politely. So a, a person with a lot of shame about his or her... Um, lifestyle choices. Uh, That's previous hyphenated. Life, previous life hyphen style choices, which could be one word, two words, or hyphenated, depending, right? Uh, may not have a place to go. You can, get, you can get stuck in that. Literally, It's not just a shame spiral. It's more like a shame vortex. Like the right. animation of the Tasmanian devil. It just spins around and around, Right. 
So, okay, so you were under this delusion. Maybe you're trying to um, reject this delusion, like, you know, the wonderful <laughs> the wonderful segment, the, the section in uh, Ed Wood when Bill Murray in full makeup is getting baptized. Welcome to the fold, brother. Do you reject Satan and all his evil ways? Sure. Right? <laughs> right? So they can't even get to that part. Right? They can't even get to sure. You reject Satan? Sure. Like they can't even get there because they're so ashamed of themselves. Right? So th- then it becomes this, th- then it becomes an, another question of uh, uh, the, the, your the the lapses of your personality. Let's not use the word weakness or because right? that's no, but the, we're all weak, right? But it, it seems to be something like that. It's preying on our weaknesses. Now those people you can actually talk to. You can actually talk to those people. And I believe I have done that a couple of times, right? Yeah. And you, no. just, you can just put that, you can put that behind you. Sorry, God's already, you ask God for, for forgiveness, even informally, it's, it's you put that all behind you. And you can't perseverate on that anymore because it's over. It's totally over. I mean, right? I agree. So, and that's why church and friends and, you know, friends in Christ is important to have. People who, you know, who have the same faith, you know, is important to have and ongoing Worship with God and reading the Bible. I mean, it's all important because, yeah, you get in that spiral and you find yourself again sinning and you don't mean to or you don't know how to. But at the end of the day, if you truly repent and, you know, there's a whole, you know, Bible study on defining the word repent of your inequities, etc. But I I, I prefer to accept it just as change as, as opposed to feeling guilty. By the way, at the outset of this episode, when I said solo scriptura, that's been bugging me. It's sola scriptura. So, like, uh, you know, please, please don't send more vo- more voice messages in. Just transregret Snoopy about the, the, the error there. Uh, there you go. So <laughs> we're, all, we're all sinners that fall short of the glory of God, even linguists. So go ahead. Exactly. Amen, brother. Amen. Do you guys have any plugs you want to throw out to the, the people in the world? Mm, no. No, I mean, no, the Bible. I, no. I plugged the Bible. <laughs> yeah, plug in the Bible. Read, plug in that Bible, Bible, baby. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart. <laughs> exactly. And well, my catch, my catchphrase is "Go with God; He goes with you." Of course, I have a website I've been on for thirty-one years. I wrote a book about accessible web, JoeClark.org, where I discuss Catholicism and Christianity and God. Not at all. <laughs> t- t- tell them what's on the cover of your book. But tell them what's on the cover of no, your book. No, I'm not doing which, which one? I've written more than one book. Thank you very much. Oh, which, I'm talking no. about that book that you've already mentioned. Shut up. JoeClark.org, but it doesn't discuss anything of, of, of relevance to this podcast. That's all. There you have it. All right. Uh, let's keep in touch, you guys, and we'll, we'll schedule the next it step. A, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you so much. No problem. With God, he goes with you. This week's poem is by Mary Oliver. I thought the earth remembered me. She took me back so tenderly, arranging her dark skirts, her pockets, full of lichens and seeds. I slept as never before, a stone on the riverbed, nothing between me and the white fire of the stars but my thoughts, and they floated light as moths among the branches of the perfect trees. All night I heard the small kingdoms breathing around me, the insects and the birds who do their work in the darkness. All night I rose and fell, as if in water, grappling with a luminous doom. By morning I had vanished at least a dozen times into something better. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>